Hello, welcome back to the Life on Earth podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week so far. Arma Pige is such an interesting brand from a collector's perspective because obviously today the, the, the watches that they produce are very sought after and you know the names, the Royal Oak is, um, is such, a, such a sought after piece and something that I've been thinking about recently has to do with... Um, their vintage watches and how it almost feels like Orma Pige vintage watches, let's take the Royal Oak out of it, are quite hard to come by. Um, and when, when you do, um, you really have to focus on things like condition um, to to be able to find really exceptional quality vintage Orma Pige watches. And so I wanted to dive into the subject um, and talk through um, some of these because I had the opportunity to handle a vintage Automa Pige time-only piece, the reference 5259. You might have seen it on the Life and the Wrist uh, Instagram account um, with beautiful, it's a time-only piece with beautiful um, Roman numerals uh, for hour markers. Um, and I wanted to just kind of give you, kind of discuss this topic and sort of where I think um, this has gone. So um, as I mentioned, I'm going to kind of exclude the Automa Pige Royal Oaks there's a, a really great article on um, on the Christie's website where they kind of talk about why um, collectors love uh, love Arma Pige Royal Oak watches, and I encourage you to, to look at it because um, it, it does go through some of the you know true reasons why collectors really love the Royal Oak, and I, I have nothing against the Royal Oak. I love the watch; it's a historic piece for Arma Pige very well well sought after and it's a, and they have some really beautiful examples especially the ones with uh, additional complications other than just uh, time and date um, their perpetual calendars in my opinion are some of the best looking uh, perpetual calendars out there especially vintage models you can find some from sort of the neo vintage era of the 1990s which are um, extremely beautiful but what i wanted to focus on is sort of maybe uh, if you want to think of the royal oak as a sports watch um, something a little bit more about um, uh, maybe a little bit more classical in 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 the um, in I guess the the loose term that that that, that is um, and and discuss you know why I think Arma Pige vintage watches whether that's a time only piece or a complication that isn't in a Royal Oak um, case or chronographs from the brand are um, relatively rare. So I actually think it goes back to when, uh, let's say, I think it would probably be about 20 years ago when steel sports watches um, were not the uh, the most interesting thing to, to collectors. I think many collectors were very interested in very classical complications, whether that's a perpetual calendar, annual calendar. And this goes probably back into the 90s and 80s too. But they were really focused on classical looking watches with high complications and obviously the three brands that really stick out when you think about the, the, those types of watches are Patek Philippe, Arma Pige and Vachon Constantin. And um, the execution of a lot of these complications varied across these three brands. Um, I think they each had a very, um, very isolated aesthetic for the pieces that they were producing. And, um, and you know, would capture the attention of collectors during that time. Um, but 
what you notice today, if you ever go to, you know, if you look at auction catalogs or just look at what's online when it comes to vintage watches, it's it's a little bit easier to find vintage Vacheron Constantin watches and Patek Philippe watches. And I, I'll say from a, from maybe a, let's, let's take out sort of the ultimate rare pieces that these brands have. If you think about you know, some of the more simplistic complications, let's just say, um, you know, your, uh, your full calendar, um, your full calendar pieces are a time only piece from, from these brands. There are some accessible models out there that you can find, um, and, and at a, at a, an attractive, you know, price point for, for, for most collectors. But Arma Pige seems to stand out. And I, I was researching this on, on, um, on, online just to see if there's anything about this topic. And I found an article from 2012 from Ohirinki where they talk about how, I'll, I'll kind of quote the, the, um, the, uh, the article. It says, uh, great vintage watches from Automa Piquet do not come up for sale often. They are rarer than vintage uh, Vacherons and Pateks, especially in modern sizes and aesthetics. There are a few vintage APs that do well at auction, obviously the early Royal Oaks, but the traditional chronographs like this that pulled down 386,000 in this triple date moon phase chrono that made almost 90,000. Next, uh, and so they kind of describe how these pieces are not coming up for auction very often. And um, they kind of get into the idea that um, in the article they were looking at some of the um, upcoming vintage Arma Pige watches that were coming up for sale at these auction houses. But even the sentiment in 2012 was that these watches were difficult to come by and, and a little bit on, more on the rare side. And I think it's a function of two things. Either um, the production of these pieces were lower than their counterparts at Vacheron Constant Patek Philippe, or um, collectors during the early years of, of these brands, like I said, kind of like I was describing, when, when the classical watches, ca- classical complications and chronographs were really the, the in thing, when those watches were, were being sold and, and, and during the time where it was a little bit more accessible to get these watches, there is a possibility that a lot of collectors might have uh, gobbled a lot of these up and are not letting them go. So I thought I would talk about each of the, the two. So the first one that I mentioned was the idea that Vashkon Constant, or excuse me, maybe Automa Pige didn't produce as me, uh, you know, high quantities of these pieces compared to Vashkon Constant and Patek Philippe. I have a hard time believing, and, and I'll preface this with saying I have no empirical evidence of this, um, but I have a hard time believing that Arma Pige would have produced a lower quantity of the watches in these classical designs than Patek Philippe and Vacheron Constantin. Because to me, um, they're competing with these, with these, they were competing with these companies throughout their history. And so in order to do that, they would have to produce watches and have availability of these watches in order to kind of stamp their mark on, on the, 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 you know, the watch market during that era. And so it's hard for me to believe that they might have produced these in lower quantities. Now, maybe what they were focusing on was a little bit wider, and perhaps they, there might have been lower quantities of these individual pieces, but I, I have a hard time believing that it would be substantial enough to make these watches um, more rare and more... Um, more sought after by collectors um, because they would have produced um, a lower quantity of these pieces. 
So I really think the crux of this discussion comes down to the idea that collectors, when these watches were available, were purchasing them, and they've kept them, and they haven't really let them go. And I can see why they would do things like that, because there are some incredibly beautiful historic pieces manufactured by Arma Pige um, that are completely exquisite, and I, I would hate to get rid of them. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to an article on Herenki where they went into the archives of Arma Pige and go over some of the watches that they've got um, in the in the library in the in their museum sort of collection because they really are um, phenomenal examples in great condition. Um, now I I don't know enough about whether these were restored by Arma Pige to look as good as they do. Um, I think a lot of brands when they do buy watches for their museum collections they end up trying to restore them to look as new as possible, which to some might feel like they are uh, getting rid of the life of the watch or maybe, you know, putting it into a state that is unrealistic for those specific pieces. Um, but the watches themselves are incredibly beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this article and I see uh, an incredibly beautiful uh, perpetual calendar um, reference 5516, which was made in 1957 that has so much personality on the wrist and almost looks like it has a double-stepped case with really beautiful, uh, beautiful lugs. Um, I really encourage you to check out the article to see some of these pieces because I think as collectors, you'll probably have a similar reaction to what I'm having, which is these pieces are incredibly beautiful, incredibly um, well-designed and well-proportioned. It would be very difficult to, you know, uh, um, to... Uh, to uh to let one of these watches go because boy um they are they are really really beautiful and so what i think actually is you know during this time these collect collectors were gobbling these pieces up as as quickly as they possibly could to add to their collection because of how beautiful they were and in a way like maybe a little bit less mainstream than patek Philippe because I think Patek Philippe sort of holds the status above everyone else in some in some regards. Um, but they were buying these pieces, and, and I don't think anyone is looking to get rid of them anytime soon. I think there was a Horinki talking watches um, where a, a really beautiful gave a vintage chronograph was shown, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's probably one of the, um, I think the, the individual mentioned that um, that it was probably one of the um, most expensive um, Pika chronographs that was ever uh, bought by him. And I'll get the name. I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Um, it was the uh, Talking Watches with Alfredo Paramico. And um, he mentioned that there was a really great chronograph that he... Um, that he had the opportunity to purchase from the 1940s in stainless steel and pink gold. Um, and I don't think he's sold that. I can't tell you definitively, but I don't think I've seen anything online where this watch went up for sale. Um, and, and that kind of got me thinking about this watch that I was able to experience, which is um, a reference um, 5259 from Automat Piguet. You know, something that is mentioned on the Horinki article is the idea that 
the pieces that have modern aesthetics and modern case sizes are really desired by collectors because they fit so well into obviously a modern collection but where that line sort of is drawn is what i'm interested about so the 5259 has a 33 34 millimeter case which is on the smaller side um, for any collector but um, especially for modern collectors and so it's an interesting piece to wear because for me it fits great my wrist it fits phenomenally but to think about if this fits in a modern collection or if it'd be desired by modern collectors, I think it still does because of how rare these time-only Automa PGA watches are. Um, and at 33, 34 millimeters, it can squeeze into that maybe dress watch piece. The 5259 also used a, a very thin movement, and so the watch sits very um, elegantly on the wrist. Um, I also think the rarity of this dial, I haven't seen a 52, another 5259, with this Roman numeral dial, which I think is a fairly rare feature um, compared to some of the other 5259s, which have simple, you know, hour indices that, that are not uh, Roman, um, but um, are still really, really beautiful. And so, you know, wearing wearing this watch, it's it's an interesting experience for me because I do think that it's a, it, it is a good representation of the rarity of these pieces because it's hard to find 5259s on the market one two i think they do have some sort of um they demand a little bit of a premium price uh when it comes to uh if you you know take another time only uh watch from another brand of this era um i think it's uh, a similar sort of situation or it's it's a it's a different sort of price um for, for, for these pieces um and i think it demonstrates the power of the power of this brand and the rarity of these pieces and and how sought off sought after they they really are just a couple comments I, you've probably seen this 5259 on my inst on the instagram life on the wrist um at life on the on instagram but um the what's really cool about this watch and i love what i love about it is the right side of the of the dial towards the eight nine and ten hour marker you can see a, a really slight um sort of patina color coming through which is a nice indication that the dial is aging quite nicely um it is not the whole dial and so i think there must have been some something that happened with the left side of the case um, whether it was exposed that side of the case was exposed to sunlight or maybe a little bit of moisture here and there but um certainly is something unique about this specific watch and um, kind of makes it a really nice example. But of course, this is just me kind of talking about why I think Automa Pique watches are rare and why it's collecting them can be an interesting experience because of the rarity of them, um, but also a pleasure to wear on the wrist when you think about the quality of the watches and, and the, the movements and, and finishing that were, that were put to them. I'll, I'll be covering the 5259 on, on com. so, you know, stay tuned for the article that we release about the, the watch. We'll also be covering it on our website, so stay tuned for, or excuse me, on our, on our YouTube channel, so stay tuned for that. Um, th that uh, that's going to be coming up very soon at Life on the Wrist. Um, with that said, I think that's really going to wrap this, uh, this podcast up. Um, I know it was a one-topic podcast, but I do think it's an interesting discussion to be had. And if you want to continue the discussion, 
head over to the Life in the Wrist Instagram, give us a follow, and, and send us a message. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you think Automa PGA watches are, are on the rare side. Do you collect Automa PGA vintage watches? I mean, the 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 collecting of Automa PGA watches is definitely something that I I would love to pursue, and it's it's an interesting brand to to document sort of their history. So. Uh, let us know on Instagram, uh, Life and the Wrist, and you'll be able to find us. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find us very easily. Um, let us know what you think about this podcast. If you wouldn't mind leaving a rating on this podcast, it really does help me out. Um, share this podcast with a friend who might be interested in watches, and be sure to um, head over to the website, lifeandtherist.com, and all of our social media accounts if you want to get some more um, some more watch news and, and, and uh, content. Um, you can, you can uh, certainly head over to our social medias and website. With that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.